My name is Richard, and this is Notes from the Way, the weekly podcast, or I should say it's uh, generally weekly. We actually took a break of about six or eight months, but it's a generally a weekly podcast where we talk about things from a Christian perspective. Mostly we talk about faith and life and how to live as a believer in the 21st century. These are crazy, wild times. We want to talk about what it means to live as Christ's people in this world at this time. Uh, we did take a little break for the last uh, few months. Uh, things of uh, life just kind of got the better of me as far as my time. But uh, we're going to try to do this on a weekly basis and to just uh, talk about things that are important to me and hopefully things that are important to you. So if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can go to the blog that uh, connects with this podcast. That's uh, notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. Or you can just email me at nftw, that's like uh, notes from the way, nftw at sbcglobal.net. And we'd love to hear from you. Now let's take a look at uh, something that is in the news. Okay, now the story in the news that I want to look at today is from azcentral.com. It's from actually from USA Today a couple days ago. And the title of the article is Churches Trying to Woo Men into Pews. First paragraph goes like this. Churches nationwide are fretting and sweating to reel men into their sanctuaries on Sundays. Women outnumber men in attendance in every major denomination and women are 20 to 25% more likely to attend worship at least weekly. The rest of the story goes on to look at what several churches are doing to make their services more, uh, I guess you call it man-friendly, uh, because men are so much less likely to go to church than women. And uh, there's several things that I just had thoughts about, because it is true that men are less likely to go to church than women, but I'm not sure that we're looking at the right causes of it. I mean, there's probably a lot of things that go into the fact that a lot of men don't want to go to church. Uh, it's, you know, sometimes it's not a very manly place, if I could put it that way. It's not a very man-friendly place, at least. Uh, there's a lot of emphasis on very, you know, you know, on feelings and getting touch in touch with how you feel about things, and those things aren't necessarily things that men are always comfortable with. I think there's also been a, uh, a diminished role for men, not only in the church, but in society in general. Um, you know, And in the church, there's been a big push to recover the uh, role of women in the home and uh, re, uh, you know, getting rid of some of the effects of uh, a more radical feminism. And somehow that diminishes, I think, the role of men in the family. Uh, where we emphasize, you know, that women are to be at the home and they're supposed to be uh, the, the caretakers and all those things where men go out and they do their work. And I think that also th something that may be key here is that we have such a distinction between sacred work and secular work. In other words, the sacred work is what preachers do. It's what missionaries do. It's what uh, music uh, or worship directors, used to call them, uh, music directors, I guess they're usually worship pastors now. That's what, that's what people do that's sacred and it's important to God. The guy who's a plumber or who works in an office all week isn't uh, necessarily doing work that's seen as being pleasing or being important to God. 
And if what you do all week is not important to God, maybe you're not so likely to go visit the church on Sunday because what you're doing isn't that important. We've lost the, the idea that every job, everything we do is important to God. Um, there's a line from a book that I read just recently, a great book called The Shack, that um, says uh, God is quoted as here in the book as saying, if anything's important, then everything's important. And we know that everything is important to God. And so the, not only what we do, but how we do it is important to our Lord. I think as a church and as people, we need to recover the fact that what men do in the workplace, and women too for that matter, but we're talking about men in this case, is important even if it isn't directly related to spreading uh, God's kingdom in the traditional way through church or through missionary work or through whatever uh, you know religious thing that we do. There's also this idea of, of obligating people to do things. You know, if, if you're working 40 or 50 hours a week and then you go to church and you're going to feel like you have to sign up for a committee or to uh, teach a class or something, you're going to be obligated further. Maybe you're not going to be so so willing or so uh, anxious to go there and be further obligated to do something, uh, especially if it's something that's going to mostly further the organization of the church. Uh, rather than actually being something where you're hands-on ministering to other people. So I think that has something to do with it. But some of the ideas that people have about how to fix the situation are just strange to me. Uh, one church it talks about here, uh, you know, they designed the sanctuary with guys in mind with a stone floor and hunter green and amber decor and rustic beam ceilings. And another uh, place in the story, it says the congregations across the Sun Belt are holding beast feasts where the flock's outdoorsmen, uh, outdoorsmen invite their unchurched male pals to a game banquet in the hope that guests will find a trail to Jesus. You know, things like this. You know, the problem isn't in the decor. The problem isn't in not having the right kind of uh, banquets. Uh, there may be a heart problem or maybe just an outreach problem where we haven't been as willing to acknowledge that the concerns of men about family and about their uh, jobs and all those things, that those things are important to God. And if you don't feel like you're important to God, then you're not likely to go visit with his people on Sunday. At least that's what I think. If you have another opinion or you have a uh, something you want to add to it, uh, shoot me an email or post a comment on our blog. Again, it's notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. Just got a few moments that I'd want to uh, share something from uh, from God's Word. Okay, and now just a look at the scriptures here. Something that's been on my heart for a few days. Uh, this is a story from Luke chapter 4, when Jesus had just gotten back from the wilderness where he was uh, fasting for 40 days, tempted by the devil, and he uh, resists the temptation and overcomes it. He goes back to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, it says in chapter 4, verse 14 of Luke. And he goes to Nazareth, where he was brought up. This is from verse 16. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It says in verse 20 that he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. 
And he began saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And you know, just the whole idea of what Jesus came here to do is just fascinating to me because I think sometimes we, we put our own ideas and our own thoughts and our own politics and religious ideas into what Jesus was here to do. And this really here in, in Luke chapter 4 is really Jesus' mission on earth. And it's interesting that really everything he did corresponded with this mission. But it's not like the missions that we see uh, so many of us have in this world. Uh, there's no sense that he's here to build a kingdom, although he did build a spiritual kingdom. There's no idea that he's here to make things uh, big or grand for himself. He was here to serve. He was here to minister. And not minister just to the uh, upper echelon or to the upper crust or to the uh, upper middle class or the rich or the powerful. But look who he goes to. You know, he, he's there to preach the good news to the poor, to bring freedom to prisoners and sight to the blind and release to the oppressed. What a ministry that is. So often we look at the life of Jesus and we want to be like him. And so we say, okay, I have to have a mission too. And so we start off with some big a gigantic project, something we're going to do for Jesus, and it's either too big for us or it's not really what God wants us to do at all. And we end up failing in that mission and thinking that we are failures, that we failed God somehow. Uh, sometimes churches get caught up in this, oh, we're going to build the biggest uh, nursery program or the biggest educational program or the biggest building or whatever it is. We're going to build something huge for God. And sometimes I think that all God wants us to do is to just tell the good news to the poor and just preach freedom to the prisoners and the thing is that everyone or a lot of the people around us fit into these categories i mean you may not know anybody who's blind but i know think you probably know somebody who has a spiritual blindness that could be touched by the hand of the savior we may not know any prisoners although we probably should be ministering to those who are in prison but there's a lot of people who are imprisoned by habits and by the things they do and the things that they they think about and their thoughts and their minds and their bodies are just imprisoned uh, by the things of, of this world and by the things of the devil and we can preach freedom that christ came to bring freedom one of the most just liberating passages for me in the last week or so uh, has, comes from matthew chapter 9 and it's a story of jesus and he, it says in uh, matthew 9 uh in verse oh let's see this is verse 36 it says that he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd and the what does he do in response to him seeing the crowds like this and you know the crowds people are still like this they're still harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd nothing has changed people haven't changed in 2,000 years so what does he do Jesus calls his 12 disciples in chapter 10 right after this verse and he gives them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Listen to what he tells them in verse 5. It says, These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Don't go among the Gentiles or any town of Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now this is the message they're given in verse 7. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. And you know, that's still the message. And there are still people all around us, not just in some far-off country, although if you are called to go to a far-off country, that's great. And I have friends who are in all, every corner of the world right now, and they're doing a great work. But wherever you are, there are people who are poor. There are people who are blind. There are people who are in prison. 
There are people who are oppressed all around us. There are people who are helpless and people who are harassed and who don't have a shepherd. And Jesus says, go tell them the kingdom is near. And you know, that's really what we're called to do. Our mission, no matter how big or small you think it is, is really the same for all of us. Wherever we're put, wherever God puts us, our mission is to go tell people that the kingdom is here. And he says to go out and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And you know, that's our job as believers. That's, what, that's all that God calls us to do is just wherever we are to just let the kingdom shine through us and to bring some of the life of the kingdom through us. And it doesn't take expansive knowledge of the Bible. I mean, these people, the 12 disciples, hadn't been with Jesus that long. But yet he sends them out and he says, tell them the kingdom's near. There's something that you're missing. That's what he's really saying. You're missing out on the great work that God is doing and he wants to do in your life. And, you know, we can do the same thing wherever God has put us. And to me, that's such an encouraging message. I don't have to get everything perfect. I don't have to have everything right. All of my theology doesn't have to be right in a row and perfectly systemized, if that's a word. But God still calls us to be missionaries and to just preach to the poor and the oppressed and the blind and the prisoners around us and let them know the kingdom's here. I hope that's encouraging for you too because that's really the message of the gospel is that this world that we see that's so messed up and so just ruined by sin is not all there is but the kingdom is here and whether you're helping somebody who is physically poor or in prison or blind or somebody who's just spiritually oppressed or imprisoned or poor or blind that we all have that ministry because we can all shine the light and the love of Christ into the lives of the people around us. I hope that's encouraging to you too. Well, that's all we have time for today. I hope you've been uh, motivated or inspired or just refreshed would be great, uh, a great accomplishment. Anyway, next week will be much less rusty. I promise there won't be another seven or eight month layoff between this one and the next one. If you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like to hear me discuss or uh, talk about on the podcast, let me know at the blog. It's uh, notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. And I hope to hear from you there. Until next time, God bless.